Hi, I'm Ari Kagan. You're listening to Things You Don't Need to Know, and this episode is all about psychics and mediums. This is not an episode that I picked at random. It's not one I searched for either. It actually came to me. I was flicking through the channels on my television set looking for my favorite show, Gossip Girl, when I stumbled upon another New York-based TV series, Long Island Medium, a reality show about Teresa Caputo, someone who lives in the real world but spends most of her time in the spirit world. It essentially follows her as she goes about her daily life, through personal sessions, group readings, and bothering people at the grocery store. You know, I'm, I'm able to communicate with people that have died. It's tremendously popular. There's 14 seasons and 176 episodes. Also, people on the show seem to be genuinely grateful for the readings she gives them. And it got me thinking, what if the way to fulfill my destiny, bring joy to the world, and also be on TV, was to become a psychic? I know a thing or two about psychics. I know they have extrasensory perception, and some claim they can speak to the dead. I watched Psych when I was probably a little too young to understand it was actually a comedy series, and living in Manhattan, there's psychics all over the place. I actually went to one of them once, you know, just to see what it was all about, and they straight up refused to give me a reading. To this day, I have no idea why. Maybe they thought something was up. I've, I've always been a little skeptical. My mother's a lot more into this kind of stuff than I am. I feel like we don't use our abilities to their greatest power. Psychics were never a massive part of my childhood, but I knew about them. My mom had tarot cards. She would occasionally go for readings. I always thought it was kind of interesting, but I don't think I've ever had any of those powers myself. Call it psychic, call it intuition, call it listening to yourself. Hmm, maybe there is something there. Oh, I do remember this one time. I was about seven and we took a family trip to Lilydale. Lilydale's a town in upstate New York. If you want to find it on a map, place your finger on Buffalo, New York, and draw a line halfway to Erie, Pennsylvania. It's a spiritualist community. It's fascinating. So we arrive at Lilydale, and the first thing you notice is that there's a large prominence of Victorian architecture. Some of these buildings have signs on them advertising readings. Others are gift shops full of tchotchkes and rocks. We were in Lilydale for about a day. I can't remember if we stayed the night, but I just remember being there and feeling that the place was a little different than a normal town. It was it was like an intuition. I could sense that something was up. But other than that, I don't know. I, I haven't really felt any other kind of psychic power. But I wasn't about to give up that easily. Hi, my name is Heidi Jaffe. I am a psychic medium. I found an actual psychic medium who hopefully can teach me a thing or two. So what's a psychic and what's a medium? So mediumship is being in touch with loved ones on the other side and bringing forth evidence that's undeniable to prove their existence and any messages that they have. Uh, psychic is more going into someone's life and that's going into directly reading you as the client. You know, I'll go into your relationship and kind of look at the past and present and then where it's going, then into your work life, uh, into your health, you know, any questions you may have around some people around you. So they're actually very different, but most of my readings will be a mix of both. And these readings are tremendously popular. I have over 400 people on my wait list and booked nine months in advance. I used to only allow six months in advance, but it got so crazy my wait uh, I'm sorry, you have a nine month waiting list? Oh, I have enough people to book two years in advance. Wow, that is incredible. What does a reading generally consist of? First thing I tell everybody is please don't give me any information about you. 
Okay. All I ask is yeses and noes. The yeses help me know I'm connected to the right person or situation. The noes are just as helpful because it lets me know if I'm misinterpreting something or sometimes I'm overlapping two people or two situations without realizing it. I've noticed that this crossing of the wires is quite common with most psychics, and it leads me to believe that the afterlife consists of purely yelling into the void. Mediumship is me going, okay, and I'm making this up right now. I'm not reading you. Um, you know, oh, I see you have a father uh, coming in. It looks like he passed in his older years. It looks like he had a heart attack. There's initial J with him. Would you understand any of this? The answer is yes or no, okay? And then bringing forward, you know, items about him. You know, maybe he loved to fish or he loved to work on cars. I look to see if they have a good relationship with you. Did you guys love each other or did you have a horrible relationship? Did you even know the man? You know, and what messages do they have? Are they more specific? Are they more vague or is it a mix? Oh, no, it's specific. I don't like vague in my office. It's not allowed. <laughs> um, no, it should be very specific. Uh, it should be fact or it's not. Because the thing is either, you know, your grandma's name was Janice and she had Alzheimer's and she was, you know, a nasty person or she wasn't. I really appreciate this. It gives a certain sense of legitimacy and I'm definitely going to steal it for my show. And so I'll bring forward loved ones in, in most readings and then I'll get messages from the loved ones, but then also link in psychically and kind of look at it from my perspective as well. How does it come to you? Was there a point when you realized that you had this ability? I was with my great grandma when she passed and I used to see her a lot and I just thought I was a little bit crazy. Um, that's kind of the short of it. Um, and then as a teenager, I would see stuff and then it actually kind of went away for uh, quite a while. And it wasn't until my first son was born that it all kind of came flowing in essentially. And I just started to get messages for random people that I knew in some way. And it always ended up being around, which I found out later, obviously, around a birthday or an anniversary of the person that I was picking up. Unfortunately, this isn't great news for me. I've never experienced anything like that. It's not so much something I, I sought out. I was never really an overly spiritual person or in any way. I just, it just kind of happened, Ari. Again, the case for me being a psychic is not looking too good. Because I do this all day, you know, this is my five days a week. The truth is when I leave my job, I really don't pick up a single thing. And it's interesting because people think because I can do what I do that I must pick up people all over the place. Everyone always asks me if I see people in the grocery store. I'm not really sure why it's always the grocery store. <laughs> you know, maybe they want to know what their uh, relatives are buying. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not looking for Aunt Bertha in the apple aisle. I'm just trying to get apples so I can get home or whatever, you know. Has anyone else in your family said they've experienced the same things? No, we don't know where I came from, Ari. <laughs> I've got a lot of like, you know, doctors in my family, a lot of, you know, kind of science based or, you know, more corporate jobs. And it's, it means a big mix of everything, but uh, I'm not sure why I came out this way, to be honest. I, on the other hand, came out perfectly normal and human. I am Jewish, I guess I have that going for me. But I don't have any psychic powers, that's for sure. There are people like me that are real and can do what we can do, and there's also a lot of hacks out there, and there's also stupid TV shows. Hmm, hacks with TV shows. Maybe the dream's not dead after all. All that and more, right after the break. 
Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Okay, so I couldn't be a real psychic medium, but maybe there was another way. Maybe I could make people think that I had magical abilities, like a magician. I love magic shows. I, I love being fooled, and I, I think a lot of other people do too. See, what a magician does is convince people that they have magical abilities, when in reality, they're just a highly skilled performer. They use sleight of hand and math and psychological tricks. And you know, now that I think about it, I've seen some of them read minds. Uh, let's guess something about you. What would you like me to guess? Your, your age, your birthday, your birth year? My birthday. Your birthday, okay, let's do that. And think of the day, is that April 1st? April Fool's Day? April Fool's Day, 89, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank you. That clip was from a video of Vinnie DePonto reading people's minds at Coney Island. Vinnie's a New York City-based mentalist and also our next guest. Hello, I'm Vinnie DePonto, and I'm a theater maker and mentalist in New York City. The first thing I noticed on video chat is that he has this display of all sorts of little books and goodies behind him. Yeah, it's my credibility bookshelf. It's all magic ephemera. These are effects from the 30s and 40s that were from my grandfather who I never got to meet and they had no instructions. This is the only instruction I had. Thumb trick. Uh, and there was inside there was just this terrible looking metal thumb. It was through these items that Vinnie gained a curiosity and passion for magic. Transitioning to mentalism and mind reading really didn't happen until college. I was actually studying psychology as every mentalist claims they do, but uh, I was actually studying. And what is a mentalist? Anything that pertains to the mind. Mind reading, telepathy. I concentrate in the psychological tricks uh, of magic. You know, I'm a mind reader. It's very impressive to me. How on earth do you do it? <laughs> How on earth do I do it? Um, just a... a, a collection of various methods that I've learned over the years and, and honed. Um, obviously, I can't hear the voice inside your head, but I use, you know, the tricks and techniques that I've honed over the years to try to make if it. If it sounds like he's dancing around the question, it's because he is. Magicians live under a sort of omerta. It's against their principles to give away their secrets, how tricks work, and the hours and hours of practice required to master them. This is partially why throughout history, they've kind of taken great offense to anyone claiming to have actual magical powers. Magicians historically have this mission to police psychics and spiritualists and reveal their tricks. Harry Houdini was incredibly famous for this. He was very close to his mother, and after she passed away, he desperately tried to find a way to get in contact with her. You have to imagine for a moment when all this is going on. It's the early 1900s. The atom's just been discovered. Germ theory is still a relatively recent thing. And ghosts and spirits are tremendously popular across America. I know these things seem like polar opposites, but at the time, the scientific community was really interested in ghosts. 
It's mid-July, 1924, Boston. Harry Houdini and a six-man investigative committee from the Scientific American arrive at 10 Lime Street for a seance performed by Mina Crandon, the nation's most credible spirit medium. Scientific American was giving away a $2,500 prize to any psychic medium who could show visual psychic manifestation. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, writer of Sherlock Holmes, had seen one of her seances at his home in London and recommended her to the Scientific American as he was convinced of her ability. Harry Houdini, on the other hand, was not. As the night began, Mina conjured her deceased brother Walter, something she was famous for. The spirit spoke with a raspy voice and addressed Houdini directly even touching him on the leg. Walter then levitated a megaphone and hurled it at the magician before ringing a bell inside a wooden box and even toppling a Chinese-style three-fold screen. Unfortunately for the spiritualists, Houdini was a step ahead of this performance. He sat in a precise way as that he could feel Mrs. Crandon's feet move to ring the bell and topple the screen. And while at first he was puzzled by the megaphone, he eventually figured out that she placed it on her head using a spare hand, almost like a dunce cap, and then flung it at him. When Houdini came to the committee with his findings, they told him to hold it back from the public. But when they refused to award the prize, Houdini published an article titled The Tricks Used by Boston Medium Marjorie, which is what her followers called her, and it contained diagrams explaining all of her tricks. Houdini, I think, was very allergic to that idea. He wanted to show people that it was just people taking advantage of your trauma, of your loss, because, of course, he was dealing with his own loss. It was later found that the spirit of Walter had left a fingerprint, which coincidentally was an exact match to Mina Crandon's dentist. But that's not where the story ends. In August 1926, the ghost of Walter proclaimed, Houdini will be gone by Halloween. And somewhat eerily, Houdini died on Halloween of that same year. I, of course, am, am skeptical about it, right? I, I know that these things can feel like tricks. But there are some people that truly believe that they have access to another level of empathy or another level uh, of consciousness that I can't quite go out there and say with, without a doubt that it's, um, that it's not real. Um, that's, just, that's, just my, um, that's just the way I see the world, you know? So it's not a, you, you're not listening to ghosts here. Just my own ghosts in my head. Um, <laughs> No, not listening to ghosts, no. So, if I didn't have any psychic powers, and Vinny wasn't going to reveal any of his secrets... Uh, there's not anything I can really teach you. My dream was dead. But then I remembered something. Something I cut from the original tapes that I could have this epiphany later on. To really be a good performer, a mystery performer, you really just need to have an engaging persona and tell a great story. And that was it. That was what I needed. I needed a character. I needed someone with mystery, someone with intrigue, someone larger than life. And it was here, while sitting in a bathtub under an apple tree, that I had my eureka moment. I would become the Manhattan medium. The following audio is my sizzle reel, which I'll be pitching to major television networks. What's up, it's me, the Manhattan Medium. From Whitehall to that deli on 218th Street, I deliver the realest readings on the island. Excuse me, yes. I don't know if this means anything to you, but Susan says, watch out for Van Buren. I see dead people. Excuse me, sir, there's a voice 
coming from your direction. It's, it's asking if you've ever recovered from your poison ivy. Does anyone here have a father? Hey, man, watch out for three o'clock. The first person I showed it to was my producer, Harry Nelson. Ari, this is really bad. This is actually terrible. I'm sorry. What did you say? It's no good, buddy. It's bad. It's a bad one. Sometimes you do a bad one, and this was one of those bad ones. So you don't think that maybe TLC would buy it? I don't see that happening, no. I don't even see us releasing it, honestly. This goes in the vault with all the other cooking ones you couldn't figure out. (sighs) Back to the drawing board, my friend. I had a funny feeling he might say that. And as always, thanks for listening. Things You Don't Need to Know is a Hyper Object and 3 Uncanny 4 production. The show is written and edited by me and produced by Harry Nelson and also me. Additional help from Shane McKeon and Nuna Sharafadine. Our executive producers are Adam McKay and Laura Mayer. The show is mixed by Nice Manners. If you like Things You Don't Need to Know, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Lastly, if you could leave a review, I'd greatly appreciate it. It really helps the show out. And I'll see you next week.